The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Teenage boy has been found guilty of murdering a 49-year-old mother of two as she made her way home from work in Dublin city centre on the 20th of January last year. The boy, who can't be named because of his age, was convicted following a retrial before the Central Criminal Court. Our Today FM Courts correspondent Frank Greeny joins us now. Frank, remind us of what this boy did, please. I will, Matt. This is a, a very sad, a very tragic case and, and some of the details are quite distressing. This happened at about nine o'clock on the evening of January 20th last year. This is at a time when the country was in a strict COVID lockdown. At the time, Aransat Segserin Dorish was working as a cleaner in the Docklands in Dublin City. She was on her way home from work when this boy tried to mug her at a walkway between St. George's Dock and Custom House Key in the North Inner City. Um, she was on her way home, as I said, to her husband and their two young children. She was from Mongolia, but Ireland was very much her home. She'd been here for 15 or 16 years when her life was taken so cruelly. Um, we heard the boy, who was just 14 at the time, cycled up to her, pulled a knife on her and he demanded money. She told him she didn't have any and he then stabbed her in the neck before making off on his bike. She seemed OK initially, uh, but her condition quickly deteriorated. She called her husband a few minutes later. She was in some distress at this point. She was having trouble breathing. He left his home, went out to meet her. He found her at a taxi rank uh, just outside Connolly Station. She had an obvious wound just under her ear. She was bleeding. An ambulance was called. Paramedics worked on her. She was then rushed to hospital where her condition deteriorated even further. As it turns out, the boy had nicked an artery in her neck. Um, this had cut off the blood flow to her brain. She was put on life support, but sadly, she lost her fight for life and was pronounced dead in hospital nine days later. As I said, a truly tragic and, and absolutely senseless loss of what sounded like an amazing life. The boy had pleaded guilty to manslaughter, but this wasn't accepted. And as you've told us, he's been convicted of murder. That plea, however, did show that he did accept responsibility, that he had taken the actions. So what was his defence then? Well, in a nutshell, he claimed he didn't mean it. He accepted that he had stabbed her, as you said, but he said his only intention that night was to rob her. And during the trial, we heard the guards called to his home the following day. And this, as it turns out, was actually for an entirely different matter. They were investigating the theft of an e-scooter. But when they arrived, he said, I did it. I stabbed that girl. I robbed her. It was me. I stabbed that woman at the CHQ. So he did accept stabbing her and that was clear from his plea to the lesser charge of manslaughter which wasn't accepted by the director of public prosecutions and he was tried for murder it was essentially the prosecution's case that he repeatedly lashed out at her with a knife in what the prosecuting barrister described as a callous unprovoked and vicious act of thuggery intended to cause an injury but he claimed he never intended to kill never intended to cause a serious harm that was ultimately left for the jury to decide. The jury in his first trial earlier this year wasn't able to reach a verdict. And interestingly, a piece of evidence that wasn't allowed to go to the jury last time round was considered to be admissible in this retrial. This evidence related to the attempted robbery of another woman just half an hour after the stabbing. And we heard he also pulled the knife out on that occasion too. So the jurors had to essentially try and step into this boy's shoes and mind and try and figure out what his intention was on the night when 
their paths crossed. And after four days of deliberations, 10 of the 11 jurors found him guilty of murder. What was his reaction when he heard the verdict? Well, he seemed very nervous before the jury came back. Word had filtered through the building that a decision was imminent, but it took some time for the jurors to file back into the jury box. They had been out for just under nine hours again across four days. And there was speculation that I suppose the reason they'd been out so long was that maybe they couldn't reach a verdict just like the jury before them hadn't. The jurors were given that that option to return the majority verdict this morning, and they did just a couple of hours later. And... Um, as they filed back into the courtroom, I did notice his solicitor brought him over a glass of water and he gulped it down really quickly. He then just stared at his feet in the dock as his face was sealed. But I really don't think that he understood what had happened until his barrister had a quick word with him a few minutes later. And at that point, he became very distressed. Um, a lot of his family were in the courtroom. Uh, they were all in tears. Um, the judge rose. And after he did, the boy stormed out, bashing the door to the holding cells as he left with two guards in tow. He didn't acknowledge his family members as they tried to approach the dock before he left. He just seemed to be absolutely consumed with rage. And what happens now in relation to sentencing, given that he's still a child in the eyes of the law? Is that going to make a difference? It will. A big difference, because if he was an adult, the, the judge wouldn't have any discretion when it comes to sentencing. He'd be handed a mandatory life sentence. But given the fact that he is just 16 years of age, again, 14 at the time when he stabbed her, that does make a huge difference. The judge will have some discretion and submissions will be made in mitigation, no doubt, when his sentence hearing takes place on the 21st of December, just a few days uh, before Christmas. What about the victim's family? Were they in court today? And of course, will they get a chance to make a statement as a victim impact statement? They will. And um, if if they would like to address the court and tell the court how they've been affected by what happened, they will be given the opportunity to do that on the 21st of December. They were in court today. They've been in court every day throughout this trial and the one earlier this year. And they were extremely dignified when the verdict was eventually delivered. They seem to be on notice. They seem to be praying uh, together before the jurors came back in and they just quietly filed out afterwards there. They will obviously be given that opportunity to address the court at a later date. But we did hear from Ms. Sarah Dorge's husband during both trials and he seems like such a lovely man. He was even holding the door for people as the jury came back in. His name is Ulan Bayer Sarankor or Umba for short. Um, and he described coming here from Mongolia to work about 16 years ago. And he said his wife, um, who he used to affectionately call Erna, followed him maybe nine months uh, later. And at the time of her death, um, he was also working as a cleaner in Dublin City. He said that she used to work 5 to 9 p.m. Monday to Friday in an office down at the Docklands. And she used to call him when she'd be on uh, the way home. And I do remember when he was giving his evidence about receiving that very distressing uh, phone call. You know, he said he just left the house with his slippers on. He made that five minute journey to Connolly Station where he met her by at the taxi rank. And little did he know that the nick just under her right ear would eventually claim her life. It was actually heartbreaking to hear him talk about watching his wife being put into the ambulance that night and not being able to go with her because of COVID restrictions that were in place at the time. And then that lonely walk home to wait on a phone call, which didn't bring good news. But thankfully, he was able to go in and be by her side as she saw out what would be her final days. OK, that's all very, very sad. Look, you were also in the Court of Appeal today, I believe. There was a judgment in Kieran Green's appeal against his conviction for murdering his former partner's mother, Patricia O'Connor. This is a case that you, of course, covered extensively for us. But just remind us of the case and what can you tell us about this appeal? 
Well, this was the man who who beat um, Patricia O'Connor to death in her home in Mountain View Park in Rathfarnham back in May of 2017. He the gruesome details of what he did afterwards, um, you know, dominated headlines during during the trial because we heard that he buried her in a shallow grave in a field in County Wexford. He later returned to that shallow grave, dug her up, dismembered her remains and scattered um, them across the Dublin and Wicklow Mountains before handing himself in a few weeks later. He did appeal that conviction and he lost. Um, He had raised a number of grounds of appeal. The standout one related to his claim that the jury should have been allowed to consider the defence of provocation, or as it was described in his appeal, slow burn provocation. Uh, But the judges rejected all of his arguments. They were all satisfied that he had got a fair trial and that his conviction was safe. And as we all well know, he wasn't the only one to stand trial in relation to what happened to Patricia. He was the only one accused of and subsequently convicted of her murder. But her own daughter, Louise, uh, her granddaughter, Stephanie, Stephanie's father, Keith Johnston, uh, they all stood trial as well and were found guilty of trying to cover up what happened. Her now late husband, Gus, was also implicit. He reported Patricia as a mis- as a missing person at a time when he knew she had been murdered. But now at this point, uh, Kieran Green is the only one behind bars because all of the others have been released from their sentences. And as I said, Gus, he was released last August, uh, but he has since passed away. OK, listen, just one other thing. Uh, do we have any update on where we stand in relation to the trial of Stephen Silver, the man who denies the murder of Garda Colum Horkin? Uh, Not as yet. The judge has spent the last couple of days just going through all of the evidence and outlining all of the legal principles and the laws and legal issues that the jurors will have to consider. And they'll begin their deliberations now next week. Thank you very much, RTFM Courts Correspondent Frank Greening. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30.